are the few and the mighty here today, but we have some exciting stuff, I think, from the scripture this morning uh, to share. As, of course, I, the, the theme has been this morning, this week, is finding joy in the glory of God, finding joy in glorifying Him, finding joy in the glory that He just possesses. Um, and we've talked a bit, I'm, I'm going to tie three weeks in together, because as I was, as I was uh, unfolding the word this week and wondering where to go next, because I, can't, I couldn't really think about getting back to Acts 15 and then taking a break and then coming back, so I said, God, where would I go? And we talked last week about, about the otherness that is needed for us to be in the presence of God, that, that we needed to be other. And then we talked about the previous week in Galatians 6, about the, the idea that while we are here, while we are left here, to do good, to purpose in our lives, to do spiritual good in another person's life, that that becomes our, our goal and our aim while we're here. So this led me to Jeremiah chapter 29. And so... That's where we're going to begin. I'm going to read uh, 29, 1 through 14, and then we will kind of dive in. Thank you. There we go. So these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet, sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise, and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you to exile. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. God, as we embrace what it is that you teach us this morning through your word, I pray that we would surrender ourselves to hearing what the Spirit would speak to us, that which is not of you, Lord, may we discard that quickly. And uh, Lord, may we just not be those who just sit and hear, but may we become doers as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
So we who have been converted by God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, having been born again of a complete otherness, are now but exiles in a foreign land. Do you ever feel that when you're interacting with people in the world, that you are a foreigner, that you are odd, that you are out to lunch compared to them, that you are somehow way different? Well, we are citizens of heaven. Those who have been converted by the otherness of Christ himself. We are exiles. We are exiled here to earth. We are exiled for a time predetermined by God. While we are here, we are to occupy this earth as a blessing to it, to the earth itself, and to its citizens, that God the Father would be glorified. And it is in and to his glory that we are to find joy and fulfillment while we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. And then our citizenship is actually realized. So Jeremiah here was, has written a letter and it was dictated by God as to what the Lord would have them do while they were in exile. Some false prophets had come in and persuaded them that it was time to return to Jerusalem. These false prophets, it seems, have dreamed up and schemed up what they have imagined uh, and what they have deluded themselves into thinking that it was a call from the Lord to end the exile. But they hadn't indeed followed the word of God because the word of God told them. And God himself declared here, 70 years. You will occupy here. And here's what you do while you wait. So let's look at, at verses uh, 4 through 7 of chapter 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. In short, God would say to them, and I think to us, is grow where you are planted. Seek the welfare of your captors. Seek the welfare of those who are in opposition to us, that make us feel like foreigners. Well, because indeed you are a foreigner, right? So seek their welfare. And he would say, recognize Israel that you are there in Babylon because I sent you. God emphasized here three times in that little passage that I sent you. The place where I sent you. The world didn't put them there. God put them in Babylon. He emphasizes that. And I think that he's telling Israel here, recognize that the place where you are is because I sent you. The place where we are is because God sent us. We are here because of God's divine sovereignty. It's by no accident that we are here in Carlton, Oregon. It's by no accident that we are Americans. We are fortunate that God found favor for us and we live where we live, right? But it is by no accident. At the same time, when the world is opposed to us and when everything is against us, it is by no accident that that is true too. It is by no accident that God has placed us in the midst of, of, a, of a trying time, of a trying world to live in. It is by no accident that we feel 
as foreigners in a land that we call home. Well, you might remember last week that as we were um, looking at Galatians, we left with this. I'm going to read um, 6, 9, and 10 because I see that these, these two scriptures are really tied very well together. In Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, we too, as exiles to this earth, are called to occupy until his return. Do you guys remember the <laughs> Occupy movements over the last few years? Well, you know, people that were part of these movements, they were crying out for what the rest of the world around them owed them. Really. These Occupy movements were about crying out because the world owes me something. It's unfair. Life is just unfair. Why would these people have so much and I have so little? We have to legislate something that makes them give me some of their stuff. That makes me kind of equal with them. That's really what's fair, right? Well, they said that. Think about this, what they were saying. They were saying, because God and hard work had provided so much for the 1%, that we, the 99, are entitled to share their blessing. I know that this seems like maybe an oversimplification of those movements, but and kind of at the heart of it, that's what it just felt like to me. But we notice here in the scripture, in the economy of God, that he says, the minority, those of us one percenters, those of us Christians in this world, should pray for and encourage God's blessing and welfare on those that we live with. Because we will greatly benefit from that blessing. As God blesses others, and we encourage God to bless others, and we encourage God's welfare for other people, even those people who are opposed to us, God says, you will be blessed in that. Don't be cursing those that have somehow been placed above you. Don't be cursing those that maybe God has shown favor to. You know, uh, a friend of mine that's in here, Don Meyer, said to me one time, he said, uh, it, it just reminded me of this right now. He says, I have never gotten a paycheck from a poor man. Right? Well, think about that. We should bless and encourage businesses to do well, right? I've never received a paycheck from somebody who didn't have any money. That's for sure. Right? So that's the idea is that we would bless those that, that, that will in turn be a blessing to us. So be a blessing and you will indeed be blessed. Paul's warning in Galatians 6 is that let's not become tired of doing good while we await the consummation of our faith. Because that's what we are doing here, right? We are occupying earth as those who are in Christ, awaiting for our faith to be consummated, for our salvation to be realized, right? We're saved as saved can be as we put our faith in Christ. And we're in this world and we're struggling and we're battling, right? All to the glory of God, the struggle and the battle is. And while we wait, he says, don't get tired of doing good to others. Don't get tired when you have opportunity to do good. While you wait, your, your reward is coming. Your reward is coming. I couldn't help but think this morning, 
about this that, that this wasn't in my notes, but it was in my heart this morning is that Jesus is coming soon Amen. and very soon. But he's given us a charge, even though that's true. It's not to sit back and sit on our hands and do nothing. He tells us to be a blessing to those in the world that we're, that we're with. To bless them. To work towards their betterment, right? Well, Jesus is coming soon, and I hope it's today. I, I really do. I, I'm super tired. I'm tired of being in this tent. I've got a sore throat. Uh, my muscles hurt because I'm old, I guess, that that a swinging a golf club is supposed to be like easy, and I did so on Friday, and I feel it everywhere, so I, I really want to be out of this tent and be in his presence. So I hope he comes today. Maybe we can we can get out of here by, by 11 and, uh, and, be, and be home in heaven. That would be fabulous. So anyway, he says here, no tired of doing good because you're in due season. You're going to reap your heavenly reward. You are going to reap your heavenly reward. You may further recall that as we have seen that discipleship and evangelism, and they work together in a continuum, that is that they flow in and out of each other. Well, we defined discipleship a couple weeks ago as it was intentionally to do spiritual good in another's life. Well, this is discipleship within the household of God, isn't it? If I intend with another believer to do them spiritual good and discipling them, growing them up in Jesus Christ. If I intend to do spiritual good in the world by showing them Jesus Christ and the glory of God, I am doing evangelism. Am I not? I'm showing the world who Christ is by doing them spiritual good intentionally. Well, let's look at verses 8 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. God would declare here through Jeremiah that the time of the exile has been predetermined by me. Any prediction if you're released by divination or through a dream or a prophecy, you can know it's not true because my word has not declared it. God's word had not declared their departure. I had not declared this. But God's word for us has been declared in Matthew 24. I'm going to read 36 through 44. You have your Bible and you want to turn there? I think I have it up on the screen as well. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they weren't aware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. See, God knows the hour of his coming. And we don't. But notice what, what, what these folks were doing. They were occupying. They were working. 
Two were in a field. Two were running. They were working. They were doing good for one another. They were being a blessing. He says, you don't know the hour. And it'll come in an hour you do not expect. But be aware. Be watchful. Be what I'm looking towards the heavens. Shouldn't we be looking towards the sky and saying, is, is it today? Maybe he's there. Maybe it's now. Maybe today. I, I hope it's today. I still say that. I, I really hope it's today. I hope it's before 11. And I, I'm ready to go. Earlier in that passage in Matthew um, 24, verses uh, 4 through 14, and Jesus answered them and he said, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. He gives us a good, clear picture. See? But we know that we have this reward coming, right? We know that Christ is coming to take his church and to take him, uh, take us home with him. And there'll be those coming saying that today's the day, that this is a Christ There'll be those who are saying that this is the savior of the world and that we just need to put our trust in this. I even remember in 2007 that um, when our uh, current president was, was first campaigning, there were, there were things like on, on the cover of like Time Magazine and Newsweek and stuff declaring him as the savior of the world. And they had words on there like hope, future. Wow. Right? Wow. And I even remember I was working at Fred Meyer at the time. I'm, uh, I'm in the office and, and one of the guys that w- was working for me says, I'm going to vote for that guy. And I remember what I said to him still. I said, that's a dangerous man. He said, how so? I said, well, he's quite charismatic. And this whole savior whole thing, that scares me. That's a scary thought that we're going to put our, our hope our salvation, you know, person, no matter who that is, right? And that's a false Christ. And that those are the things that would be coming our way in the world, right? It's putting our, our, our hope. It didn't would matter if it was Obama or I don't care, you can name that guy. Any person that tells us that our hope and our salvation can be found in him, that is anti Christ. And we ought to recognize that, that our hope is only in God. It doesn't matter who it is. So I don't want to get into a political idea, ideology thing about that. But it really doesn't matter what the man is. It doesn't matter if I believed everything that the guy stood for. If that was the platform he stood on, it would frighten me. It would scare me. Let's look at um, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. And for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I, have, I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God declares here to Israel that the plan, that he has a plan for their redemption and he has a plan for their restoration. Do not heed the false prophets, he would say. It is in God's plan alone that we have a future and a hope. It is in God's timeline that we have a future and a hope. He would say to Israel, it is your duty, Israel, to trust in my word and to be a blessing. He would say this, occupy well. Make the glory of God known. Make the glory of God known by your dedication to the betterment of Babylon, he would say. To their betterment, make my glory known by being a blessing to them. And he would say to them, the reason why I'm asking you to do this is because your future in me is already secure. And I think for us, as we think about our relationship with Jesus Christ, our, our future is secure. But our future is, is tied into the person of Jesus Christ, right? He is our future. He is our hope. He is our welfare. So he says, while you are here on this planet, all things seem to be pointing to the opposition of Christ. Live to be a blessing where you are. Seek the welfare of others, and it will be to your welfare that you do so. Because I have secured the future. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 14, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He has sent us. He has sent us into this world. Just as he sent those from Jerusalem to Babylon... He sent them there. Part of his purpose, right? It might seem harsh to them, right? They were, they were uh, pulled out of their homeland. They were pulled to a place of, of servitude. They're pulled out of this place, a place that is not their home. It was not their world. They were not of that Babylonian world. And yet God tells them, in that world that I have placed you in, seek their welfare. It will be a blessing to you. He tells us the same thing. These are not of the world. I've sent them into the world, though. And he sent us in for what purpose? It's to declare the glory of God. To declare his glory. How great is it that we can declare the glory of God just by living amongst the world and being a blessing to them? Being a blessing to others. It doesn't mean that that is necessarily easy. But he has sent us that have been transformed, we who have been born again to a living hope, we who are now citizens of heaven to be a blessing to all, wherever we occupy as exiles. We proclaim the sufficiency of Christ's perfect sinless life, his completed payment on the cross for our transgressions against God, and we declare his resurrection life most clearly 
when we ourselves walk in the newness of life, when we revel in the glory of God to the betterment of others, we find complete joy only in that which glorifies the goodness of God. When we do that, when we glorify God and we find our joy in Him as we occupy in this world, we can know this to be a fact, that He is coming soon. And He is coming very soon. This is the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word and thank You for the time that we can spend in worship this morning. I pray, Lord, that um, you have been glorified in this place. I pray, Lord, that we have been changed and transformed into people who find our only joy in that glory. That in the midst of troubles or trials, whatever it is that comes our way, that beat us up, that depress us, that hurt our hearts, that we can say, but God be glorified in this. And then turn our hearts to joy again. Because God, you tell us that you are most, more, most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in you. So Lord, be our satisfaction in this world. Help us to bless those and not to curse. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.